Like if women were doing self-pelvic work on themselves once a week, we would have like no issues. We'd have a very different world, that's for sure. The world would just be a different place. And this is not to shame or to scare anyone out of it. I share all of this from lived experiences and the things that I have thought I've gone through and now witness women every day. And it's really a beautiful and inspiring journey. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 195 of the Well Woman podcast. Thank you so much for being here. This episode is about integrative pelvic care and pelvic health. And we are joined by the beautiful Caitlin D. Caitlin is the founder and creatrix of Integrative Pelvic Care. Her own healing journey led her into this sacred body of work, and she's deeply committed to revolutionizing the story we have been told about living in a female body, how we feel about and in our bodies affects every single aspect of our lives. It's her life's mission to support other women on their journey to feel deeply belonging in their own bodies and on this earth. In this episode with Caitlin, we dive deep into the pelvic floor, kind of like literally. Yes, we talk about what is the pelvic floor. We talk about the pelvic floor and pelvic care health and how our pelvis is really connected with so many other elements of our body, including the vagus nerve connection with our cervix. We talk about overall nervous system connection and how trauma and emotional experiences from the past can be really stuck in your pelvis. And that can lead to numbing and pain potentially through sex or even menstrual pain. We talk about the pelvis and throat connection and how the pelvis actually connects and impacts our menstrual cycle health. Not to mention, of course, Caitlin gives us some beautiful tips on how we can support our pelvic care health and pelvic floor ourselves from home. So you're in for such a treat and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it for you. Caitlin, welcome to the Well Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You are very, very welcome. And I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation that we're having about the pelvic floor and pelvic floor health, because I think it's such an important girdle of our bodies as menstrual cycle women. And um, it's not really talked about a, a lot. So before we jump in, tell us what day of your cycle are you on? <laughs> I'm just banging you with the question up front. What day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in in this moment? How do you feel? Yeah, thank you. I am on day two. So active bleeding. And I recently rolled out of bed because I was resting all day. So I feel pretty well right now. I'm blessed to have overcome debilitating cramps in my life and just feel really privileged to be able to rest and nourish myself during my mm. And to know that how important that is that you're actually are not, your life's not going to fall apart if you give, a, give yourself a bit of rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Now, share with all the listeners and the viewers, like how did you get into this pelvic floor thing and who is Caitlin D and why do you love the pelvic floor so much and why do you sing that to the rooftops? Yes. Well, as I mentioned, debilitating menstrual pain was a factor in it. You know, it was something that I was, I grew up riding horses and rodeo queen and ranching on the, in the mountains of Colorado. Oh, I love that. I a lot growing up and connecting to, you know, it's funny now because I used to breed horses and have pretty intimate understanding of their cycle because we would use artificial insemination. So you have to know when to breed the mares and at no point during that experience did I like connect that that was my body too because we're mm. animals and so it's interesting to reflect on that now but I really got into the pelvic work shortly after my youngest sister suicided it was a big wake-up call around how much trauma could impact our physiology and that's so to make someone want to leave this planetary realm. 
And we had a pretty abusive childhood home. And through, you know, just really being able to acknowledge that that does have such an on really every layer of my life and my body. And my approach to healing was always through body work. I was never one to like jump in therapy or anything like that. I was feel it. And that was eventually how I discovered that holistic pelvic care was a thing and started receiving pelvic care sessions. That's intravaginal pelvic massage, basically. That my big driver for that was really because I always had numbness or excruciating pain during sex. And there was so much shame wrapped around it. I was 28 or so years old and had never talked about that before. I just thought every other woman was like having mind-blowing orgasms and never had menstrual pain. And their vagina was just like their best friend. I was the only one. So this is a long way of bringing it all back around to it wasn't very long into the work that I was like, this was the missing link. Like I've done all of this other work. I've become in touch with my body. I've gotten to understand it, but no one was talking about the pelvis and no one was because of shame, because of taboo. And even when I started doing pelvic work there with a practitioner, it was still only working with floor or pelvic. It's actually a diet, one of eight diaphragms in the body. And that still left me like going to acupuncture, going to massage, getting this full body experience from a bunch of different practitioners. And that has ultimately inspired how I weave everything together in integrated pelvic care and work with the whole body, as well as bringing in the aspect of group and sisterhood and community because even with wonderful practitioners i still felt really alone it's not like you can just necessarily go talk to your friends and family about this work and i think that it's so deeply healing just to know that we are not alone you're not alone in this we have a unique story and how we got here but just being able to connect with women who are like i'm here doing this work too is so potent. Mm. So that is the story of me and <laughs> this body of work integrating pelvic care. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. So many beautiful, juicy components of that journey for you. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, you were just either numb or you were like in excruciating pain. And I feel that you know, when you mentioned, I thought I was the only one. Surely this is just happening to me and everyone else is like having the most adventurous sex life ever. And this is just me. Um, I love that because the more we normalize these types of conversations, the more we can start to see, okay, what is actually common out there versus what's normal. And a lot of women do feel numb. And that can be numb in their pelvic floor. It can be numb in emotions, numb just even acknowledging how they feel. And so I love that you've just normalized that and that, you know, we can feel into these things and explore deeper, which is so wonderful. And we definitely need more of a sisterhood. I have a beautiful sisterhood um, myself. And I, actually recording this was just after a beautiful three-day immersive retreat with 50 women. And um, we do that kind of semi-regularly, like every month or so. And it's so potent when you surround yourself with others. And I love that having a community is very much part of womanhood and you've created that, which is awesome. So sounds like you do lots of stuff with the pelvic floor and pelvic health, but what is the pelvic floor? If you can just give us a little run through, because I feel like there's a lot of people who still don't even know what the pelvic floor is unless they've been to Pilates or yoga, particularly Pilates. And they're like, okay, now turn on your pelvic floor. And we all think it's a muscle that needs to be worked so that we have like washboard abs for when the washing machine breaks. Yes, which is so funny. I've actually never done Pilates and it's so interesting because so many of these modalities are created for men, right? And when we don't even know where a muscle is or as the pelvic diaphragm is a group of muscles, they are actually a group of accessory breathing muscles, innervated 
They receive nerves from the autonomic or involuntary nervous system, and they are intended to, here's my model, if you're listening, you can see this on YouTube. And the pelvic diaphragm is intended to work with the thoracic diaphragm, which is commonly called the diaphragm that sits underneath our lungs. They form this parentheses around our abdominal organs. And it's intended to move as we breathe. However, due to tension, due to trauma, due to movement or lack thereof, or a lot of sitting, how we sit with our pelvic tilt, all these different things, a lot of times what happens is these muscles quit engaging the way that they are intended to. So when you hear engage your pelvic floor, you may feel like you're doing it. And I see this with like your meeting practices, like they, someone thinks that they're tightening that or using muscle. And what happens is other muscles compensate and they actually engage instead. And then that leads to like all these other imbalances. The body is very wise. Mm. The body is happy to compensate. That's what it does. We probably all experience that in some way when you know if we sprain our ankle or like hurt our back and we start to hold ourselves in a different way first we're sore but then it becomes our norm so it's so essential to you know even just start to realize that the space exists in the body and that it is designed to be this very fluid moving part of us and what that does, the function of the movement, I really picture it as this internal massage for our pelvic organs, which include our bladder, which include our uterus and cervix if it's still there. It includes, you know, our digestive system and all these organs that sit on top of it. It's a whole new world. <laughs> It's like, so it's not just Pilates? Okay, fuck, I need to learn more about this. Um, I I love how you mentioned that we can think we're doing the thing, but we're actually not turning on the right thing. And it reminded me um, of uh, like a long time ago, I was working with my partner. Um, he's a physical prep coach to elite and Olympic level athletes. And he was getting me to try like to turn on a different part of my lower abdominals that I'd actually never done. And I was like, they're on. He's like, they're not on Gemma. And I was like, no, they are. I'm like, I'm, I can really feel the tenseness. <laughs> he's like, they're not on. And I think that's because a lot of us are just not connected and we don't really understand our body in full. Like we know, okay, cool. We've got four limbs with a head. So maybe you could say five if you're in the yogi coil. So you've got five limbs. And you've got different systems of the body, endocrine, nervous, you know, respiratory, et cetera. But beyond that, like the microbiome of the gut, not many people, you know, the detail about that or the detail about how the cervix moves up and down. So the more we get to know about our body, the more we're like, oh, actually, there's another layer to this. So I love that you've mentioned that. So thank you. You also mentioned a bit earlier that there's eight diaphragms in the body. I'm like, oh, tell us more about that. Before we talk about, okay, understanding pelvic care. I probably can't name all eight off the top of my head, but that's okay. <laughs> depending on the lens that you look through, this there would be one or two in the brain, um, the throat or vocal cords. There's one in the chest that I believe is around the heart space. And then we have the thoracic diaphragm. The pelvic diaphragm, I believe knees and ankles. Oh, again, don't quote me on all of that. <laughs> so, what she's saying, Caitlin's like, go Google where are the A diaphragms? Go body. Google it. Um, you know, that's so interesting because I love, you know, in the ancestral, like when I studied ancestral health, they teach a lot about the method or the theory of expansion and contraction. And I guess the pelvis is exactly that expansion and contraction, just like the ocean, just like the seasons of the year. And to think that we have diaphragms in other parts of our body that are somewhat all connected, which we'll talk about like the throat diaphragm being connected with the lower diaphragms and vice versa. It just goes to show like how connected we really all are. 
Yes, absolutely. And that is really the basis of, in a lot of ways, integrative pelvic care is that, you know, oftentimes we have pelvic imbalance. And this was me, right? I had numbness during sex. I went to a pelvic care practitioner. Yes, the term used is holistic, but I've seen more and more of that term is slapped onto things that, you know, are, are still just working with one body part. Yes, it brings in some emotions. stuff. Yes, it brings in some of the story, but you also combine that with a system that is not set up for extended visits when you're in person. And my body of work is really, again, to connect all of it. So when we start together, the process is zooming out from the pelvis, looking at the whole woman, looking at her story and the whole body in relation to the pelvis, looking mm. at the, the tissue, looking at all of the systems, digestive, endocrine, reproductive, and then beginning to descend into the body. And this cultivates a relationship with the body, which urban relationships. And it allows blood flow to reach tissues that have been holding a lot of tension. Most women I know have been sucking their bellies in and doing extreme ab workouts for most of their lives. And the abdominal muscles attach around our whole pelvis. And that in and of itself can be a profound shift in the body when we start to release that and bring fluidity back into our abdominal space. It also lightens the load on the pelvic diaphragm when our organs are stuck and heavy and weighted down due to a contracted belly, and which can lead to things like prolapse and pain and numbness pelvis. So really zooming out and working with the whole space. Coming then, we do get to internal pelvic work and focus on the pelvic diaphragm there is already place space in those tissues. Blood flow and lymph is returning to those spaces. The nerves or the myelin sheaths, the sheath that wraps around nerves, are receiving nutrients, which that on its own can bring sensation back that can stabilize systems in the body, like the digestive system, like our hormones, things like that all start to recalibrate. And when we are do then when we're doing this deep work inside the body, whether you're doing it with yourself, which I teach women all around the world to do, or with me in person, when we start to release some of that really old, deeply held tension, the unwinding doesn't stop. Whereas if you just go into the pelvic diaphragm, into the vagina, you like poke around, release some things. But then, and it starts to expand, but it gets to a wall in the abdomen because your belly is so tight. It just goes back. <laughs> Everything is just held in the same pattern as it was. So being able to integrate this power center, our pelvic bowl, into relation with our body is key. And being able to integrate all of the magic that is found as you cultivate a relationship with your body. Sometimes, you know, we're born with it, I think, but we forget very early on, especially as women, how powerful and magical our bodies are. So that journey on its own is like this whole separate layer of things that are occurring. I have so many questions to ask you right now, <laughs> and I don't think we have enough time for me to ask all of them. This is such beautiful knowledge, and I know that uh, a lot of people will be listening to this being like, oh my God, I'm hearing this for the first time. How can that be? How can that be true? How can that actually work like that? And um, I really love, Caitlin, how you mentioned about holding on and tightening up in your abdominals and sucking it in, so to speak. And I think um, I studied fashion out of school and I went through fashion and I became a swimwear designer and all this stuff. And so I did a lot of history research into the history of fashion and, you know, the corsets, and it really goes right back to that Renaissance period where we were taught to like tighten everything and really suck everything in. And the leaner we were, the more fragile we looked and the more like we looked like we had to be saved. So this is going on a tangent, but 
we still live in that way today where we suck it in. And my beautiful friend, Rosie Rees, who's a guest teacher in cyclical school, you know, started the movement as a hashtag, like stop sucking it in. And to really normalize that, like, you don't have to suck it in. You don't have to have a flat stomach. And by doing that, you're actually disconnecting and overworking. Like, imagine you're like carrying the shopping bags all day, every fucking day, apart from when you're asleep and you're going to get fatigued. And so your body does get fatigued. And I love that you mentioned that. So yes, I do have a lot of questions, but let's talk about how sucking it in actually is not beneficial for long-term pelvic floor health. Because I'm sure you can rant on that. (laughs) And I have shared some posts around the course and, you know, that memory of needing to flatten, shrink, high, be small is literally carried in our DNA, in our cells. If you look at epigenetics, however you want to approach that, that being small and staying small and sucking it in is what we need to do to be safe and to be worthy and to be accepted in society and we all desire to belong. So it is a huge piece of this work. And when we suck in our bellies, you know, it comes, you can probably even see this, like when I suck my belly in, how my neck tightens. Like I can see that now in like pictures and things like that, where it's like, oh, she looks so relaxed, but actually I can see that like, it's this whole holding in of the body and that impacts our pelvic floor, the pelvic diaphragm, because both to, due to you know, when we're in that state, we are telling our bodies that we're not safe. We have to like protect ourselves. And as we go through life in that state, our pelvic diaphragm is also clenching. And this, just like you were talking about with the shopping bags, yes, it is going to get fatigued eventually. And when we're just holding it all in, holding it all in, holding it all in, you can have great sex. You can have an orgasm. You can have, you know, no fertility issues. Like the symptoms, it doesn't necessarily take extreme symptoms to have a hypertonic pelvic diaphragm. And that is something that, again, the body is so wise and so good at making adjustments. But look at the rates of infertility, endometriosis, PCOS. Don't get me started. (laughs) All of these imbalances that have been deemed normal. I see so many, you know, I get all these ads from companies and one of them is this story on fertility. Like you need to check your fertility because you're basically going to be infertile and women are just sold this narrative. And, you know, as I kind of went through and connected all of these dots, hopefully for listeners, we're more profitable if we are jumping around to these different practitioners and different doctors and treating the symptoms. This is not some big conspiracy. It is like very clean and clear that being able to heal our bodies and heal ourselves through simple, simple at-home practices with ourselves is detrimental to the medical system and insurance system and pharmaceutical system and really society because then we start to remember our power and our worthiness and reclaim our voices and all of these other things that can please start to shake some things up in the way that we have been conditioned to be for really millennia. Mm. Very, very ancient that we are unraveling here. Mm-hmm. This is multi-generational. It's not different. It's definitely not just this generation that's dealing with and working through this. Like this has been brought on from your mother, from your mother's mother, from your mother's mother's mother. You know, it's very, very multi-generational. And I love that you spoke to that. Oh, there is a lot of work to do, but like you said, it's it can actually be simplistic and we can take control over ourselves or take charge without being controlling. But, you know, take charge of that that health. Um, now, you mentioned a little bit about like the nervous system center and then how that communicates and connects with the pelvic floor. 
Tell us about integrative pelvic care and how does all that work? Like how the fuck does the muscles down here in my womb connect with my nervous system? (laughs) Well, a big piece of that innervation, which just means where the nerves are coming from into different tissues is the cervix and vagus nerve connection, which the vagus nerve runs right into cervix. Tell us more. This is as profound as it sounds. And it is really why I think women can experience such profound physiological changes. So how, when I say physiology, I mean how the body is functioning changes due to things like sexual trauma, due to things like pap smears and leap procedures and steps that we said yes to, but our body and energy was screaming no to. And, you know, even things like injury or birth, all of this can impact our whole body wellness and our whole body ecology. And again, the pelvis is often something that is skipped over. And there are also sympathetic nervous system nerves, so fight or flight nerves that in right at the base of our tailness. And a lot of us tuck our tails when we sit, we kind of, you know, and even a lot of practices like say, tuck your tail. And the female pelvis really should be in this more anterior tilt, which allows those nerves to have space, which allows our bladder and our uterus and our digestive system to kind of all be centered differently. And these things are studied because the medical system as I mentioned, things like yoga and Pilates, they're all based on the male body. And so it's not to cast shade on the male body. It's just we're different animals and it's okay. <laughs> and mm-hmm. our understanding of this can bring so much education to our male counterparts, right? Yes. Our partners, our sons, whoever that may be. You know, it's really our responsibility to know our bodies and then to be able to speak and to share that. So that's another big piece that I like to bring in is I'm not here to be like, yay, women and female bodies and shame on the men for not understanding them because we don't even understand it in a lot of cases. And with the nervous system, you know, there's so much out there around like regulate your nervous system which I think is wonderful that there's more light shed on it, but it's still brought in this approach that is fast-paced, that is do-do-do, that you have to be like in this regulation practice and it's skipping over the pelvis. So a few layers to that are things like the pace at which I do this work is very slow. It's at least if someone is going to come work with me in person, it is a five-week preparation experience with no intervention and that is you know we're so used to okay i got this problem i need to be fixed i need this person to do this to me and we go right in and that puts us in this especially if we have trauma in our past which i don't think there's anyone who has not experienced sexual trauma in some way we are going to be bracing in protection our nervous system is like no um so we can lay there and we can receive, but the depth energetically and physically that we work with is going to be superficial towards the top of the body and never really get to deep, profound changes. When we ease in, like I described, the body opens in just a totally different way. I My hands-on sessions now are multiple-day experiences. There are four plus hours of body work and energy work before I lay a hand on a vulva. And this approach has led to people who have things like vulvodynia or vaginismus or pudendal neuralgia that typically cannot receive touch or be touched to have really no issue with receiving work. And again, this you know, I think it's important to point out that fast and furious and hard and like do, 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 go, go, go. I'm being a good girl. I'm doing all the things. 
feels really good and it feels like we're doing something and we might get short-term results and it feels unfamiliar and unsafe and scary to slip. And that is very real. And I share this from very lived experience. And when we do slow down, we actually create more space. Our nervous system has time to, okay. And we can be in a physiological state of receptivity where tissues open. I consider trauma what is held in the body after a traumatic event. And I have felt things that are ancient that just pop up to the surface. And it's very hard to describe, but it is a very profound thing that happens in these really long bodywork sessions. And, you know, there's something to all of it. And being able to slow down and really be with our bodies is terrifying, right? Like touching our vagina without a wand or an egg or a partner or a vibrator or other toy is one of the scariest things that I have ever done. Really getting to know these tissues and my body at that level and kind of go through this like, wow, here's my digestive system right there. Like, no wonder I've had these problems. And get to understand how deeply we are connected within our own body. And that is also, you know, really just something that can be normalized. Like if women were doing self-pelvic work on themselves once a week, we would have like no issues. <laughs> We'd have a very different world, that's world, for sure. The world would just be a different place. And this is not to shame or to scare anyone out of it. I share all of this from lived experiences and the things that I have thought I've gone through and now witness women every day. And it's really a beautiful and inspiring journey. Mm, it sounds very potent, like very potent work. And thank you for sharing and going into the depth of the share that you have. It's so beautiful to really take a step on the outside and look in at women who are beginning this journey and seeing how disconnected, like you said, afraid, scared that they can be. And we do live in a very patriarchal world, regardless of what country, Eastern, you know, Western, whatever, we do live in quite a patriarchal world. And I see this a lot with menstrual cycle imbalances. And I really, really feel the more we dive deep into ourselves, how we feel about past experiences, our own self-worth, get to know how things work and why is this there and what does that feel like, the more we actually start to become one with our body instead of rejecting elements of our body. And when we really walk that path, amazing things can really happen. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the Yoni Pleasure Palace, the home of Yoni Eggs. Yoni Eggs are the OG when it comes to essential self-care practice. However, have you started using one yet? Yoni eggs have been around and used for thousands of years to nurture and enhance the life force energy. They're designed to help strengthen, tone, and resensitize the vagina. By using a yoni egg for 30 minutes a day to a couple of hours, it can gradually start to tone, strengthen the pelvic floor, whilst also creating more lubrication, arousal, and sensation. The Yoni Pleasure Palace has an abundance of various eggs, all that are handmade, meaning variation can occur in every egg, making each one unique. They're available in different crystals, different sizes, as well as drilled with a string and undrilled. Personally, I use the red carnelian egg in my inner autumn premenstrual. I love the black obsidian. And of course, I have the rose quartz. These eggs have helped me create cycle balance, get connected with my self-care practice and enjoy more self-pleasure. Head over to the yonipleasurepalace.com to learn more and use the code GEMMA10 for 10% off. Now, I'd love to ask you, you mentioned a little bit earlier about like the throat and how the throat's diaphragm can connect with the pelvic diaphragm. How does that work? Because I'm sure a part of the process of healing and, you know, reclaiming your pelvic floor, so to speak, really comes down to like activating your voice. And there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, the yoni looks just like the vocal cords and the vocal box. So how does all of that link together? And is there a link? There is. <laughs> and 
that starts way back when we are just an embryo and the cells of the throat and pelvis or anus actually start as the same embryonic cells. When the embryo opens up and unfolds, then we have anus and throat space. And then as we develop, we also have lines of fascia. So fascia is a connective tissue that runs through the entire body. There is no stopping or starting point. It wraps every muscle cell. It wraps nerves. It wraps organs. If you took everything else away, you would have a 3D human form of fascia. It also holds things like memories and emotions and what I would describe as trauma in the body. So very important piece here. And there are connections between of fascia between the pelvis or the root and the throat. A big piece of what can start to impact both our pelvic health and our jaw health and everything in between is suppressing emotions. Staying quiet, not speaking up for ourselves, you know, and I share all of this again from my own experience. There have been times in my life where not saying anything and being quiet was literally saving my life. And so whatever we have done to protect ourselves up until now, it's really beautiful to recognize that all of this is something we can unwind and really rewrite the narrative around. The other connection that I think is important between, you know, as you mentioned, the the pictures are very, I love some of the pictures. My Instagram uses them often. And the bite where, you know, I can feel now a vibration through from my throat to my yoni. This is something that like I was very skeptical on. It did not start that way. And it was not something that I was seeking whatsoever when I started exploring pelvic care or pelvic health or getting to know my yoni and menstrual cycle in a deeper way. And it's really been an interesting and organic unfolding of voice opening, voice reclamation. I do some work and study with Song of Sophia, which is a platonic wise school. And we do some singing into bodies. <laughs> and that is part of, you know, when I do this work, it is working from that space of, you know, using my voice as medicine and getting to see that it truly is medicine has been such a surprising like I am someone who would not talk about any of this I would not be seen on camera terrified to speak in person to people like always very shy so I'm sharing that because it's a testament to this work that like it doesn't have to be forced and when we have silenced ourselves again and again and again it really indicates to our nervous system that it's not safe to speak up so starting to cultivate a relationship with our voice through very small changes. I always describe this work as we're turning a dial, not flipping a switch. And Love this that. is, something, you know, I even invite every time I lead a meditation, speak into the space around you, your intentions. And all this does is allow you to hear your voice. and make it become familiar and over time it does shift over time especially with pelvic work your voice changes i will not work on a professional singer or someone who uses their voice like a week before they have anything because it does shift the tone of the voice and you know i've also experienced and i had a client experience this for the first time recently where receiving pelvic work you can actually feel i describe it as an echo of what's happening in your throat so it's like my hand is inside on the right side you can feel that in your throat and it can that can sound kind of wild i think but it's something that you know is very 
like people want proof of these connections and it's something that I love that you get to feel it. Like I'm not convincing anyone of anything. I'm inviting them to get to experience it and feel it for themselves. It's to let you know how that goes. Mm. Oh, God. So, so fascinating and so powerful too. Like really, really powerful. You mentioned yeah. a couple of times about the menstrual cycle. I'd love to, and we're running out of time really quickly, but I'd love to ask you, how does our menstrual cycle connect with pelvic floor health? Like why is having a healthy pelvic floor important for a healthy menstrual cycle? Mostly a well a big piece of it anyways is blood flow. I've mentioned a few times holding tension. I mentioned connective tissue. When we hold tension over time, less blood flows to those tissues. And less blood flows, less lymph flows. And as less lymph flows, the tissues start to become kind of dry and depleted. They aren't receiving nutrients. This in turn impacts our myelin sheath of the nerves. Most times, nervous tissue is not damaged unless it's like cut. So it's the myelin sheath, which can be restored, which is an important piece of this. And with the menstrual cycle and uterine health in general, blood flow is kind of important. And, you know, looking at how much tension I carried, my body, and the pain that I was going through, it's, I kind of look back now and I'm like, of course. And that's absolutely not to invalidate anyone's experience. It's, you know, a healthy menstrual cycle is just an indication, just like, you know, fertility, hormones, regular sleep, digestive health. It's just an indicator of our overall health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And that is something, you know, I think we often get attached to this like perfect menstrual cycle. And it's important to know that especially if someone is going through deep trauma work where like I work with other wounds and other bodies regularly our cycles don't necessarily always look the same but there's still this indication sometimes I'm like celebrating the purge of what is flowing out and releasing (laughs) so it's you know definitely an important facet of just this deep knowledge of and trust in your body. Mm. I also feel that the more connected with your pelvic floor you are, like that stop sucking it in thing, restriction, tightness, it allows us openness to expand through our uterus so that when we are menstruating and we are having those slight contractions to release the menstrual lining, or the uterus lining through menstruation is that it's so much easier when we're not tightening on and holding on all the time or wearing really restrictive clothing. And um, it's like that goes back to that corset, you know, like you need to like just after you've had a big meal, you know, when you've gone to the buffet, the smorgasbord and you've overeaten, like what's the first thing you want to do when you get in the car? Fuck, oh, I've got to undo my button, zip down the fly, just let my belly fuck it out. And we do that with food, but what if we did that with menstruation? So what I'm yeah. trying to say, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it is so closely connected. And, you know, I love that you mentioned that we don't all have a perfect cycle and there is no such thing as a perfect cycle. There is a healthy cycle, however. And I love, Caitlin, that you mentioned that so much because even me as a menstrual cycle educator, seen as like a leader of the menstrual cycle, I just, anyway, I don't see myself like that, but anyway, other people do. And it just makes me think, but my cycle changes all the time. And my cycle is a direct reflection of my world. It's a reflection of my life. And, you know, when I had um, a termination, you know, near or just under two years ago, like that changed my cycle. It changed, you know, so much about my menstruation, like my menstruation dramatically is different now than what it was before I had the surgery. And I'm very Mm -hmm. grateful that I live in a a country that, you know, I'm allowed to have that as a choice. I'm also, I just want to acknowledge that. I'm very, very grateful that I had that as an option. Um, But the things that we do in our life and how we treat our body directly impacts your cycle. And so you're never going to have a cycle. We might live in a patriotic world where we run on time and, you know, we have 24 hours in a day and all this stuff has to be done in a day. We've got to eat three to five meals a day and we've got to have this much sleep a day. 
your cycle is not going to be the fucking same all the time. It's not patriarchal. <laughs> okay, that was my rant. Um, so thank you. <laughs> Speaking of that, that was a bit of a rant, wasn't it? Um, now tell us, I do have another question that I'd love to ask is how can we actually support a healthy pelvic floor? So I know you mentioned that you like, obviously you can do hands-on work, you can go and see a practitioner, but if someone's listening to this and I'm just thinking of all the menstruators, pelvic floor owners who were like, okay, well, how can I start this journey of learning my pelvic floor? What can they do for themselves right now at home before maybe taking the step to see a pelvic floor practitioner? I would recommend 10 or five breaths into their bellies with their jaw nice and relaxed. That's a piece I didn't really touch on. The jaw being relaxed. It's got to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Like I open my mouth now and I can feel my low belly where it just poop. Mm. Anyway, wide legs seated forward fold. This is a wonder. This is one of the favorite positions to really explore this whole root area. And great. Yummy seating is like number one and or number two for <laughs> you ladies. There's no <laughs> but they're all important equally. Yeah. Um, and you can yoni seam and then do the stretch and take the deep breaths while you're sitting on the seam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm all about efficiency here. And, you know, with these simple practices, I think a lot of times people they drop the intention around it. They're like, I'm just doing a stretch, like whatever, I've done it 10 times or I'm doing this breath. Like I am a breath work facilitator expert and I breathe into my tummy a million times. Really focus on the space, really tune your intention in and that brings more potency to the practice than an hour long practice of you being like, I don't really want to be here and I'm not thinking about what's going on in my body whatsoever. Mm. So really honoring that short and simple is fantastic. I highly recommend exploring your body with yourself because if that's not comfortable for you, why should anyone else be doing it for you? Your nervous system is probably not safe. And when working with trauma and working with, you know, really getting to know our bodies, our bodies respond to us better than they respond to anyone else and of course like i love doing in-person work i think it can be really powerful but there's a big lack of education out there and there can be some very you know wham bam no thank you ma'am approach to pelvic the pelvic diaphragm and the pelvic floor and the vagina and this is such sacred work and it is Something that I believe women should get all the time they need to open to someone, whether that's a partner or a practitioner or themselves. That's why the self-work is so great. Mm. And, you know, go really slow. Like nourishing your root does not even need any pelvic work. Hands-on intravaginal work is like a small fraction of the work I do. Mm. Like the smallest, one of the smallest pieces. <laughs> and that's reassuring. There's so to much more going on. Yeah. And there's so much more you can do. And you don't, I think having the, okay, I've just got to get this down. I got to tick it off the list. Like that's just the wrong intention. And I feel that, you know, even with just like a yoni egg practice, <clears throat> up, up the yoni egg it goes and on with my day or on with my morning and boop, falls into the toilet, whatever it is. And oh, I forgot I even had the yoni egg in. I think having attention, like focus on like when you have your attention on something, your focus grows through that and expands. Um, what's the saying? And whatever you have your attention on, the focus grows or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really important that we're so dist- like to understand we're so distracted already. Like give yourself time. Like this is your body. It's your vessel. You've got it. It's the bag of bones that you have until you leave. You know, and yeah. you don't take the bag of bones with you. I get that, but it's the thing that will journey you to the place of leaving your bag of bones. So, um, such beautiful. I could just chat with you all day, and we've gone so over time, but I love that. Um, 
Thank you so much for being here. For everyone who's like, oh my God, I want to learn more about this work and how can I connect? Well, where can people hang out with you? Where can they find you? And um, what's the best place for them to to reach out? They can find me on Instagram. That is where I send lots of love. There's tons of live videos, tons of educational content and posts and information, you know, self-study courses, as well as how to actually really get to dive into integrative public care with me. And they are more than welcome to reach out there as well. That's really my little hub. And I love hearing from listeners and new followers. Awesome. Well, I will pop that in the show notes along with any other links that you've got so people can reach out to you. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here. I have a final podcast question. Now, we're changing gears a little bit. I ask everybody this question. I can't wait to hear what you say. Um, I want you to think back to your younger menarch, your younger menstruating self when you got your very first period, your very first menstruation. What are three things that you wish you had have known then that you now know today? Yoni seaweed. Mm-hmm. Pain is not normal. And that my blood is sacred. Oh, juicy. I love it. And your blood is sacred, beyond sacred. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your beautiful wisdom about pelvic floor health, pelvic care. It's really meant a lot to me and I'm sure it has to everyone else who's listening. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.